Welcome to this week's episode of the Brain Trust Podcast. My name is Adam Vass from World Champ Game Co. I am a game designer in Glendale, California. I'm Will. I'm a game designer from Boston, Massachusetts, America. Adam, how are you doing this week? I'm, uh, good. We... (laughs) Right now we're, like, at the... So, on Tuesday, we're, like, we're going to relaunch... Uh, as we do every week, we're going to put up the podcast episode. Uh, and then by Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday night, when nothing's happened, we're like, okay, what do we got to do to call this week a success? And my parameter for success was getting to 2K. And we're at like 1993 right now or something. Oh, we're so close. So I'm calling it good. I'm rounding up and I'm feeling fine. We had a midway design conversation like we did our regular discord design hang you should come hang out for that everybody um it's super fun but uh i was talking to adam is like i've never felt so gloomy about a productive thing and i was like i'm kind of just floating above everything not feeling (laughs) anymore but but that was tuesday and then wednesday when we did design chat like it was gangbusters that was the most a successful yeah. feeling thing we've done this whole campaign because we had like cool ideas and people were in the chat like communicating with us at the same time and uh it was kind of exactly what we pictured the whole thing being and we yeah. finally three weeks in have that feeling so it was awesome it it felt good as freaking heck <laughs> uh i've also I, I started sharing another game of mine in the lab channel of the discord that i was working on this week and i saw a couple other people sharing games of theirs that were in various stages of development just to like share and be part of the brain trust like co-op and uh that was really cool and encouraging too it's not just this main game that we're making it's there's all this other like creativity bouncing around everybody it's a moment oh we're making a moment Yeah, and if if Discord's not your thing, um, I hope 2004 is still good for you, and (laughs) you can get, uh, we have a SoundCloud page. Yeah, we take the discussions that we have on Wednesday night in the Discord, and we just throw them in the SoundCloud. We don't edit it, it is what it is, Uh, but this week is actually great and worth listening to, but we're at soundcloud.com slash jointhebraintrust if you want to just get those in post, uh, not interact in real time. Or just catch up with where we are at the stage of design with the game. Yeah, and we had a big question last week. Uh, So we were talking last week with our guest Takuma Okada about artifacts of play. Uh, These are things that exist in reality or in your digital space before, during, and after your gameplay. So uh, we had four different categories of things that you could choose from rather than give specific ideas. This way we could still kind of roll with whatever was chosen and not be too locked in and still kind of like go with the design that we've been tweaking. Uh, So the four options were one, something common. So the things that are in your junk drawer, things that you can get at the dollar store, uh, things that are just sort of ubiquitous. Um, Two would be something drawn on like maps, character sheets, things that are generated in an illustrative way. Three, something crafted. We were talking about paper craft and origami. We were talking about models and 3D building things. Uh, and four was something digital, like interacting in some way with uh, an app or your phone 
something on Roll20, an email address, a chat room, etc. Um, and the results are in. Oh, you want a drum roll? No, we did. We've been there. We've done that. We. Oh, okay. Every every app of the Brain Trust is brand spanking new. Every week is the relaunch. Oh, you're fucking right. Uh, uh, okay, so what's what can I do then to hype up hype this up? Um, nothing. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, <laughs> inadvertently. <laughs> I feel like the uh one we. Sp- I don't know if we have yet. I was gonna say we we spoil this sometimes in Discord, or I did last week. But if it was me and I voted on a Tuesday and I waited till Friday and then the next Tuesday's when they're gonna tell me the results, I want that gratification. Anyway, here's a yeah. gratification. <laughs> <laughs> the winner of this week's poll is something crafted. Whoa. So we don't entirely know. We have a couple ideas, but uh we're going to develop that, but over the course of playing our Magic Lantern, Phantom Casting, French Revolution role-playing game, you're also going to have some sort of physical 3D relic that you interact with during play. I'm excited to fold, to bend, to staple. <laughs> to craft. To craft, yeah. Uh, well, that's enough about this, this shit right now. We have an <laughs> awesome guest here today. Uh, we have Banana Chan, who is the Koner. Oh my god, Koner. I put, I slammed two <laughs> words together real bad just now. <laughs> I play dialect. <laughs> oh fuck, this is gonna go downhill from right now. Uh, TTRPG designer, LARP designer, writer, owner, and co founder of Game and a Curry, Banana Chan. Hey! Hey! Thanks for having me. We're very excited. Thanks for being on it. <laughs> i'm very excited for this <laughs> um we were talking before the show and the last time uh we were in a skype call together was at 6 a.m for a game of dads on mowers which is t- legally a- earlier than the legal limit for role-playing games so it was very early and thank you for being such a trooper <laughs> oh such yeah an early game. <laughs> was it like a european time zone game or something why was it at six just because to be honest i don't remember for fucking fun (laughs) oh so fun it's like going for a run first thing in the morning you're like this is the worst but i'm loving it (laughs) i think it was like a time zone thing where because i'm in the east coast and then wait it would would be like 3 a.m here on the west coast but so I guess it could be like a very late game if you're on the West Coast and a very early game if you're on the East Coast. I really don't remember. Yeah, why did... Hey, if we could get GauntletCon support on the call, we could just <laughs> kind of get... <laughs> anyway, yeah, and then I, uh, Adam and I were signed up for a game or something, and then uh, we dropped and then just played a game about two guitar players uh, fighting each other their whole lives. Oh, it was one and of my was... favorite like oh, game so stories it was super cool it was reflections by jim mcclure but instead of samurai we played as like rival musicians who started a band together but then took very divergent paths and we were playing uh, a festival at the same time slot at the end <laughs> which was our <laughs> combat scene yeah obviously adam was like the satanic metal guitarist yeah and i was the <laughs> like craft work digi guitar player <laughs> It's good. That's so good. Yeah, we were both ourselves very turned up. Yeah. It was awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> and not to just talk about a role-playing game. I did the two role-playing games I did one day, but that was a good day. I like that. Um, 
Oh my god, it's so cool to have you. Um, how was Gen Con? It was very busy and very chaotic, and I'm still recovering from it. <laughs> um, but it was great. Like, we had so many meetings. Oh, I learned that I really like meetings uh, from Gen Con. Oh, and that's I really good. hate crowds. <laughs> Gen Con meetings feel like, especially when you go to like one of those meeting rooms, it feels like you are making some big fucking deals. Like, you need to crack a briefcase at those things. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like, you know, in your briefcase you have, I don't know, a whole lot of legal plutonium or something. <laughs> I'm going to sell you a yellow cake meeple at <laughs> Indianapolis. But yeah, it was really good. Um, I did some signings, uh, did a panel on designing Asian games and themes. Oh, awesome. Uh, what else did we do? A lot of after parties, um, mm-hmm. a lot of schmoozing. We did some demos for Judge Dread Block War, and we did demos for Battle of the Boy Bands. I want to play both of those so bad. I saw, I saw the demos for the Battle of the Boy Bands. It was so good. Oh, we man. had one of the demos at a Buca de Beppo. It was my first time going to Buca de Beppo. <laughs> and it went very well. Indie, baby. That's it. Um... What my favorite part is walking through the expo hall and through the stadium trying to find the a the wildest booth and the wildest war game that people are playing. What was was some of the coolest stuff you saw? Uh to be honest, I tried to stay away from the exhibition hall as much as possible, but I should say that the Renegade room looked very good. Um I like their little setup on the outside. Uh, which was like a glowing worm and some other things that they had. Uh, were they? I promise we'll stop talking about Gen Con for a second, but uh, Adam and I had gigantic FOMO about it. So yeah, it was a. I've been the last three years, I think, and so this was yeah. the first time I took a break in a while, and just seeing everybody on Twitter and Instagram, like chuck chumming it up, really. Uh, oh no! I didn't think I'd miss it because it always. Makes me unwell to be there, but then to see just the fun parts, like the curated for social media good times, yeah, uh, yeah. really definitely made me wish I was there. <laughs> well, you know what? To be honest, it wasn't that great anyway. Um, hey, <laughs> thank you. It was. Uh, we were very. I'm very tired. So <laughs> was it yeah. worth it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's climbing a mountain like it sucks but you get to see everything <laughs> exactly um i was gonna ask did the renegade room were they slicing a ham there because i've been in a room where they like a board game demo area where they just had a ham that was being sliced and given to people like was this a part like, of the game <laughs> no he, no heat lamp knife a whole bunch of ham <laughs> I must have missed that party. I did not mm, go not to this. Middle of the day. Not a party. Wow. <laughs> this wild. Imagine being the the person who arranged that and like had the event set up in the Gen Con listings. Uh, like, yeah, I'm going to carve a ham in this room at this time. So <laughs> imagine getting a ticket for it. <laughs> this is a great freeform now. This is great. I would totally be there for that. It was like... An evil genius move because no one would ever leave because you didn't need food or anything. Oh, because the big ham. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be the talk of the con for sure. That's amazing.
mentioned um the po- like the the vote for this time around like the mm-hmm. the thing the crafting thing mm-hmm. um we are working on a game that's called nutshells i don't know if you can like draw inspiration from this or anything but that would be awesome yeah kieran mcgran and i we're working on this game called nutshells Whoa. which is based on the nutshell studies by francis glesner lee um it's from the 1800s and what she did uh, she was an heiress, I believe. She just had a lot of money and free time. So she made a whole bunch of dollhouses depicting murder scenes. And Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It's super cool. Ugh. Um. So we're making a game based on that. And uh, tomorrow we're doing another playtest of it slash uh, recording of it. Um, awesome. Can you Can you just tell me more about, like, approaching that from an object design standpoint? Yeah, so what it's going to look like, or what we're hoping that it's going to look like in the end, is that it's going to be a coloring book, so players will cut... Oh my god. (laughs) Players will cut out, like, the walls and, like, the floors and, you know, everything, and build out a series of rooms, which will be pieced together. Um, And you also have your characters. Your characters are going to be paper dolls, and, you know, stats will change as you, you know, put clothes on them, uh, different clothes on them, or, you know, as you go through the game. Um, And each nutshell is like a different scenario. So the main one, the one that we're building off of, is called Murder House. It's based off of, you know, American Horror Story, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it plays out in uh, 10 different chapters. So as you're going along this book, there are like different things that you have to fill out. Whoa. And yeah. (laughs) Holy shit, that is so cool. <laughs> Thank you. I, I love the uh how you're like reverting the act of playing uh with toys. Like how game playing is like you're playing with toys and making pretend, but like physically taking the objects of a coloring book and cutting paper and folding and then using that for stories, like how good of a story element that is. That's so cool. Thank you. Also, any game that allows me to do the house building in hereditary, like that is yes. absolutely like. <laughs> yes, exactly. So oh in the God. game itself, like uh, when you build relationships, anytime you have a negative relationship, you color a part of the wall red. Whoa. And then anytime you have a positive relationship with someone or have a positive interaction with someone, you color a part of it blue. Um, and as the game continues, uh you know stress builds up between the characters and by the end uh or by the last few chapters if you want to murder someone that's possible but you have to do mm-hmm. it in a room that's mostly red I'm just take i'm just taking this all in it's so good <laughs> thank you i feel I, it's the kind of game like pitch and it's perfectly executed concept that makes you think it was made a million years ago and it, <laughs> everyone's been playing it oh my gosh Thanks. uh when you when you're approaching a design like that that has lots of uh I don't, what's the word for just players folding paper just like a lot of um like paper craft yeah like crafting happening at the table or like construction of components like when you're 
touching the RPG version of popping out cardboard, you know, perforated cardboard mm-hmm. to get different pieces. Um, how, how do you design toward that? And what, what does playtest like that look like? So our main concern was that people were going to be bored uh, when they were cutting out the pieces of paper and, you know, is it going to be a lot of work for them to um, stick things together? Because it mm-hmm. does involve a little bit of craftiness, uh, but luckily the walls are very simple to cut. You know, things that are um, stuck together, they're really easy to piece together. And we also have prompts. So when players are cutting and piecing things together, you would be asking each other questions to build a relationship mm-hmm. to see what the rooms are like, you know, how the story progresses. So I think having something there, having you know, another thing on top of the making really helps. Having the, you're role-playing the whole time. Like, there's not two phases. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, oh my God. That <laughs> reminds me a lot of a Mobile Frame Zero by Joshua A.C. Newman and Vincent Baker, um, where you build, it's a war game played using Legos, so it takes away a lot of the upfront cost of buying one million orcs. Um, and you're building Legos the whole time, and it's because it's a mecha game, you feel like you're a manufacturer creating an army. And so it has that very tactile pre-play that is still the game, and you are just fully uh, constructing the pieces you will play with and having use, the, like a use case for, for example, folding the room that, the bathroom where there might be the murder or building your big cool robot. <laughs> ah, that's cool. So what does the what what does the um physical version of the game uh exist as? Like do you have an empty coloring book? Do you have a pre-filled coloring book? Um like how do you, how do you manage the rules and also the sort of artifact that you're playing with? So currently, um, it's a bunch of Illustrator files I put together (laughs) 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 that I've printed off. Um, So there are about eight rooms that you have to piece together um, and a couple of dolls that I stole from the internet (laughs) that are in black and white. (laughs) So that's the prototyping component um, of all of this and also decks of cards. Uh, So there's a fear deck, an items deck, and a clues deck. So you can... um, you can choose things from there. Uh, and also a D6. So in the final version, obviously we want it to all be in one coloring book, um, not including the cards and the dice. Awesome. And yeah. are you using unique cards or are you using like regular playing cards? They're unique cards. So uh, f- they each have a different purpose. So the items uh, allow people to add uh, one to their dice roll when attempting murder. Um, whereas the clue cards uh, help you hide and um, you know evade murder, basically. And the fear cards they uh, also add to. Sorry, they get rid of points from your die roll. So when you roll a die in a room, uh, and your character's in a room that has fear in it, then it's more likely that you'll fail versus succeed. I like rooms that have fear in it. <laughs> that exactly. is so good. Yeah, looking at you, Overlook Hotel.
have you seen the trailer for uh, Ready or Not? Yes. The hide, yes. hide and seek horror movie. It's sort of the mechanics make me think of that. Like if you're in this room and someone's looking for you and you're hiding, like what? Obviously, that movie's not out. I haven't seen it and I haven't played the game. But <laughs> but extrapolating, I went to the movies yesterday, so this trailer is fresh in my mind. Uh, I got the AMC pass. I feel like every time we talk, me and Will, I'm like, oh, I just saw this movie, and I'm cutting this one not short, but the reason I have to leave is because <laughs> I'm going to the movies. I love the movies, too. I feel like a lot of game development or, like, role-playing game development is similar to, to you know, to movies. Like, if you're crafting, like, a, a storyline that's right. sort of, like, the same thing. As, as a video producer, how does that um, interact with your game design practice? Oh gosh. Okay. So I Big question. <laughs> um I work as a video producer for a consulting firm. So <laughs> a lot of the narrative that I write up is very different from um from you know game development or game design. Uh mostly because the structure is all there. Um you know, the structure is mostly the same. You have a beginning, middle and end. But with video production for you know my specific corporate job, uh, there mm-hmm. always has to be a hi- hypothesis. <clears throat> Whereas in game design, it's more about setting, theme, that kind of thing. Um, there is like, you know, there is a structure to game design storytelling, um, which is kind of similar, but it's not as. It feels like it's not as. Um, what's the word? Well, like, uh, hypothesis is a great way of talking about that. Like, you're not trying to prove a thesis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's nothing to prove. You're just trying to tell a good story. Yeah. And you can have, like, goals that the game is trying to hit, but you're more creating, like, a space for multiple, uh, a spectrum of hypotheses. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) And you have, like, you know, your protagonists in games or, you know, movies, whereas in video essays or, you know, um, anything that has a hypothesis, you don't have that uh, human element. <laughs> Do you find that when you go back to, um, like, narrative gaming stuff, that your work where you specifically don't use that human element, uh, like, warps your perception in any way? Like, do you ever have a moment where, like, oh, I don't want to have a character moment here because your your work has programmed your brain to exclude them? Or, I guess, in the inverse, where you're like, I really want to do heavy character stuff because I have, I lack the uh, fulfillment. It's definitely the latter. <laughs> so... Um... <laughs> I think like when when it comes to my job, my day job, um, there's a lot of stuff that gets uh, gets put to one side. One of them being like narrative storytelling, um, or things that include uh, trying to know a person better or know a character better, knowing their backstory, that kind of thing. Um, I think that's the reason why I focus so heavily on like relationship building when it comes to games. So I don't yeah. know if that answers the question. <laughs> <laughs> no, it does totally. And then I, I was just reading there on to me, which is your LARP about conspiracy theorists. 
um, which is amazing, and then is a video a video essay basically that you're creating for yourself. Um, it's a game where every day you record for a week. How long is it? Uh, yeah, so there are different versions of it. Uh, some of them are right. five days, some of them are seven. Uh, some of them can go up to a year. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Uh, you, you play a conspiracy theorist, and you record one minute of audio about your specific conspiracy every day, and then you put it together. <laughs> and whoa, yeah. And so that sounds really familiar, like a kind of bridging the gap between um, the kind of hypothesis-driven and still uh, creating like an open system for the stories you want to tell. Yeah, for sure. It's very, um, it is very similar. I think during that time uh, in my life, it was, uh, it was a little more, um, it was a little even more restrictive in my job in terms of like creativity. So that was like my creative outlet. (laughs) Wow. But now things are a lot more. I feel that. Like I have more. Yeah. Uh, I have more. Uh, I have more creative control over my projects at work now. Hmm. Do you think that has led you to make more open-ended uh, systems of play, or is that some psychiatry that is <laughs> not welcome? Well, my therapist thinks. <laughs> um, hey. Actually, I'm not sure what my therapist thinks sometimes. <laughs> therapist doesn't read my games. Yeah, he doesn't. <laughs> I feel like he stays away from like everything I do. <laughs> I had uh, my therapist before I moved to California in one of our last sessions before I left uh, admitted to me that he listened to my band after one or two sessions. So like five months before he admitted it to me, he's like, oh yeah, I listened to it. Some of the stuff, not really for me. <laughs> and I was just like, wait, I can't understand what the level on which you're listening to it. Like, are you listening to it as like part of my or your understanding of who I am as a person? Or are you like, I like music. Let's see what this guy's up to. But either one of them feels like a weird betrayal. I kind of would have preferred that he never said anything. Oh my God. Not like this. And I like the fact that he brought it up to you right before you're, le- you're leaving. Yeah, I think he knew that he could get it like at that point. Uh, you know, I'm moving in two weeks. I'm never probably going to see him again. And it's just like, by the way. <laughs> Found you guys on Apple Music. A couple of those tracks slap. He, it, was, it was a very weird interaction, but it was uh, fine. <laughs> you should be able to know which albums your therapist thinks whip ass. That should be a part of <laughs> the process. Um, so I feel like we strayed off track a lot. I know you have uh, questions. Yeah. Okay, cool. I wasn't sure if you had to, like, if you wanted us to go back to your questions or um, if we should just keep talking about whatever. We can, yeah. We freestyle this podcast real hard. We're, we're, we've never had, like, a proper format, except for we, we kind of start with on topic, and then as soon as we start with the guest, it's just like, being able to stop at every 15 minutes makes it, like, feel like we're structured geniuses. Like, yeah terry gross out here welcome to fresh air (laughs) that's amazing i was just like oh there's so much structure to this i gotta be prepared i'll have notes i didn't write any notes (laughs) (laughs) i had an open notebook before we i always have my notebook here and it's just a blank page and i'm just like oh yeah i take notes just in case motherfuckers (laughs) nice 
I, I also learned this week from our design chat that I have to take notes of the things I'm saying because when I start when I start a sentence, by the time I finish it, I'll have forgot why I started it. So a lot of my notes are just like, why am I talking about this shit? And here it is. <laughs> There's one point where you're about to say something. You're like, I have two things to say. And you're like, one second. <laughs> you wrote them down. <laughs> yeah, I wrote down two things. Because once I start one, oh, I'm going to yeah. forget the other one. That's so great. because that's like what i'm doing right now does that sound like something you all want to talk about <laughs> and we're back on the brain trust <laughs> we're talking about <laughs> prototyping <laughs> i am down to talk about prototyping hello wow i'm doing this prototyping i want to hear about like what your process is from when you know this idea is ready to exist what are your steps there Oh gosh. Okay, it's a mess. Like always a mess. Um so it depends I on love the project. Yeah. Um so something like I I feel like I'm always best when there's something visual in front of me. So anytime there's like charts or maybe not charts, I don't use charts. Uh anytime there's <laughs> you know cards or uh something that needs to be needs to be looked at then I just go straight to Illustrator and make a whole lot of things, like character sheets, <laughs> uh, trackers. Um, it gets very messy. <laughs> How often do you find that the things that you make in that frenzy are used in the final result? Or like how different, I guess, are, are they by the time that they're so publicized? The, the base thing always stays the same. Um, it's just that we start adding things to it. So adding or subtracting things to it so if we see something that's like by we i mean like me and my design partner when it's a team uh currently because i'm working with like multiple design partners i use the word we a lot but um <laughs> also your royalty so <laughs> exactly i'm <laughs> just kidding um but yeah so we uh most of the time we tend to use like this thing uh it's like a like when you're painting something, you have like an outline mm -hmm. and you work from that and then you just like build, uh, get rid of, you know, as you're playtesting. Um, I've noticed that when you're playtesting games, it's often a little easier to think of it as user testing versus you're playtesting a game because then you're sort of like distancing yourself from the actual thing that you've made. So it's no longer, uh, you don't feel as much as... Uh, as attached to it not that you're not attached to it but it doesn't feel like oh this is my baby i need right. to like yeah. hold strong to this yeah and you can just like see if the experience is good like it's not the experience that you're making but that's the product and seeing if it's yeah successful this is something that i did um this week with a conversation that adam and i had i went and made this like card array for the game and i we it wasn't playable at all and i just got Four other people and we just sat around the table with this like interlocking pentagram thing um i'm making lots of hand motions right now but just like sitting and looking at it and like does this feel good 
this is like a good feeling card array right now. It's not something that um, I do a lot in my process, and it felt like it it had me thinking about things I wouldn't otherwise have thought about. Yeah, I think because we're... Well, one, I'm treating this game with a lot more reverence than I treat a lot of my like mm-hmm. micro games. <laughs> because th- those games, I'll write one day, I'll print it the next day, and I'll ship it the third day. You know, like, I'm, I'm very... Uh, I wouldn't say undiscerning, but... The more I think about it, the more in the weeds I'm going to get lost. So I just want to finish and get it out. Um, But because we're working on this, one, in real time, so it's forcing me to pace ourselves in a realistic way. Um, But two, it gives me a lot more time between steps of development that I'm forced to think about those things. So even just like, like you said, printing something out and having it in front of you and looking at it on a piece of paper instead of your computer screen. You think of it in a different way. You treat it in a different way. And it might jog ideas you didn't know you had from looking at your screen or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and that can be really valuable. But also I, I find it because I'm doing it more than I have with past designs, it makes me want to shed things quicker or like... You, you notice things that aren't working in the way that you think they will. And so it's a lot easier to kind of refine faster. Yeah, exactly. And I think having a visual representation of like what you want, because sometimes when you think about it in your head, you write it down, you know, um, on a laptop or something like in your notes, it's not what, it's not what you actually want. Mm-hmm. Um, versus like, you know, if you're writing everything down, drawing everything down on like a board or something. Um, something that I realized is super helpful is this is going to sound like conspiracy nut type stuff <laughs> where you're like, imagine like string everywhere and they're like pictures of things on this board. Um, that's kind of at the level of where I'm at with like, <laughs> where, <laughs> where like we have to whiteboard Yeah, everything. absolutely. Yeah, I even find that, like, writing down a bullet points of things that I want to happen in this game and then just losing that document and then finding it after it's out and seeing if that was good. And just, like, having written it down. I did that for Black Mass, and I wrote the, the, those bullet points, like, a year and a half before it came out. And I just found them, and I was like, oh, it did these! Whoa! Like, uh, it, was, it was cool. Great. Yeah, the, wh- whiteboarding is power, and, like, Getting it so you can look at, like, I don't know, we talked about this last week also, but being able to concisely imagine the project or the idea or the mechanic is such a key part of making it. Yeah, but Adam, you don't give yourself enough credit because you treat releases also as multiple editions. Like, you have living, like, games that are finished and done, but you also come back and... Yeah, yeah. I like to tinker... Um, I still, so the first role-playing game I published was Babes in the Wood that came out maybe three years ago, and it's my Over the Garden Wall ripoff Dungeon World Send game. up. It's a and send And every up. September, every September I go, I should make the second edition. I should fully write this from scratch again, because now I, I know more about game design. I know more about what I want to accomplish and how to get there, and then I just start some <laughs> other project and, like obviously we're doing brain trust i've been, i wrote my giant squid game this week i have this other game that i'm pl- hopefully planning to finish i go on tour again in like two weeks and uh on tour i find a lot of time 
between like sound check and performing and stuff where I can't go anywhere or do anything really. So it's just the, like the games, I write uh... games in that time. Adam, you're super it, prolific. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you would be known as a man you. of letters <laughs> in... <laughs> it's wild because I don't often think of that but uh, or, or consider myself as, as prolific or productive but um, because it, to me I, like I just described it it's downtime that I'm just trying to utilize in some way that doesn't feel like downtime but that's it becomes not downtime as soon as mm-hmm. I am using it so that's a good point. <laughs> Thank you. I'll, take it. I'll just uh, gonna gonna take some praise and move on. <laughs> I like some of the tunes, but the other stuff not for me. <laughs> <laughs> thing we didn't really talk about our game which is totally fine but uh do you have any like contingency goals we could run this week <laughs> so um okay so you've done artifacts uh what else we've done you yeah so the first one was pitch right. and we just threw out a bunch of pitches and then let them choose this one okay. then the second one was if um what what the characters are so they are people who hold the lanterns and cast phantoms and stuff to take down the aristocracy mm-hmm. but um there was other options of like you could be the creatures that are cast out of the lanterns or some hybrid and then that also we let them choose between doing multiple sessions or one shot and they chose one shot okay so those ran concurrently so we know the pitch of our game is french revolution pokemon <laughs> <laughs> then we have uh one shot and the people who carry the lanterns are our player characters and now we know something craftable is like an element of the game okay we could do format how do you um like what physical thing is it gonna be okay oh so like what you're crafting um more like is it a book or a zine or that's something we talked about in the beginning that that might not be the right time and also with us on the the slow but steady uh track to get funded um we might not want to commit to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe one more week on, of yeah. design might help. Yeah, we, that. we should do an eight uh, and a half by eleven hardcover, four hundred page book. That's what I would like. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could do components. Oh yeah, like more component stuff. Like, are you gonna have cards? Are you gonna have a pack of crayons? Mm. <laughs> pack of crayons. Is are you cool. gonna have? I think we definitely want to do uh, cards at this. Like, we had a really productive thing this week and so it kind of x'd out a lot of other ideas but that that's also just yeah but i i, I like it and i'm not uh disappointed that we we feel yeah. pretty married to the idea right now because usually i'm like don't get don't get too caught up in something because it's going to change mm-hmm. but this is like it's also we're making our game and so this is like a fire yeah. idea we're yeah. going to use it so nice. uh not everything is a votable thing we decided that <laughs> uh but because of that, we're in a state where it's like, now we can do a lot. We can make huge strides in what we want our game to be. And that sort of excludes yeah. the interactivity in a so way. So it could be... Oh, is this GM-less or is it with a GM? 
it's pretty heavily GM list right now. Okay. Because that was another thing where we thought about letting that be a votable thing, and then once this like card system came into mm-hmm. play, we're like, this is clearly a GM list game. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think if you want to like work on it more, then it seems like you have like a pretty good framework to just keep going. What about? Uh, I was gonna say artist for the art, but also that's <laughs> that. Uh, means that we would have had to contact artists about it and what about tone yeah, right. <laughs> tone is good i like that let's because that was an yeah um so right off the top of my head we have <laughs> sad <laughs> my go-to then i think we have like I'm gonna write angsty, but there, there might be a better word for that. How about just kind of like like pump tone? Up the tone is good, and I think we've talked about like because it's a revolutionary game about going against authority. Um, it should be what is the end feeling that you get, like leaving the table. What's the goal? So is it like a fun heisty thing, or is it a mournful? like this costs so much and here's here we're do the ends justify the means the answer is yeah um or is it a quirky yeah uh, kind of fiasco play or something the the thing with that though i'm i'm sure you both have also done this like you've played serious games and laughed and you've played funny games and made them serious you know like Mm -hmm. i don't know how much uh I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's even something we can control. It's just something we kind of, like, encourage. Right, yeah. It could also be the tone that the game is written in, also. Like, is there a genre for this? Like, is it adventure? Is it, like, action, fantasy, uh, horror, that kind of thing? I think at this point it's at a kind of drama horror thing. Does that sound right, Adam? Okay. Um. I feel like you are we are the horrors, the yeah. players are the horrors. So it's not it's more it is drama. I also think it's um kind of like plotty yeah. heisty. Yeah, it's disconnected. I'm really excited to play this. Yeah, I can't wait. Oh my God. <laughs> like the more you talk about it, it's just like wow, this is awesome. Right, so the maybe we'll just keep this in the episode, but the the prototype I was working on is these like two uh pentagram basically makes two points with five oh my god how do i even say this it's it's like a absolutely visual thing um they're okay wait nail the pitch william um so it is a game where you're playing in front of this big pentagram on the table and the exterior spokes of the pentagram are locations um that all the characters inhabit so you've got the bastille or you've got versailles or you have the bridge in Nice or anything like that. And there are places that are all connected and scenes happening. And the interior are where the pentagram spokes lock up, and those are emotional beats that the story has. And those could be determined through card flips or things that are basically elements in each scene. And so each player goes around at a spoke of the pentagram that is a location, and they basically have these two lines that interact with two other players, and those are the three players in the scene. And they can draw from any of the story elements or the locations, but that's like that player's scene. 
so we kind of I did I did this right before uh, we came on, but there's like an in exterior pentagram that's the locations, and then the interior ones. So if you went from this point and you cast the light to these two, <laughs> then like this one falls yeah. in the beam, if that makes sense. Yeah. So the interior things are story elements and things that happen, and I guess the exterior ones are like where they happen, and then you also have some aspect of like. We're we're trying we're thinking about having like character location in the pentagram yeah. being aspect so, too. Uh, so basically, like you have a very visual spatial thing that's super hard but, for but audio format discussion. <laughs> but um, especially in its current state, where we came up with the idea on Wednesday and haven't really like yeah. pushed and prodded. Yeah. I've been with thinking it yet. hard. But um, um, the the circle of the pentagram is a basically cloud of characters that you can use in each scene, and so. That's how you have like an ensemble story in several locations to tell fractal stories in and out of time. Um, that all, and once everybody's gone around the pentagram, the you basically have a moment in history, and then you kill the king, and that's the end. That's really. Is, cool. is it cool? <laughs> Great. Yes. <laughs> I think. Um, so if you're going to be talking to artists, I think a good person to talk to would be Jabari oh, Weathers. yeah. I don't know yeah. if you know them. Jabari's... Uh, oh my god. They're so good. Jabari's... Yeah. Absolute rule. They're amazing. Yeah. So I think this would be, like, a great... I I mean, I'm sure there are other artists that you're probably thinking about already, but Jabari's, like, up there. Okay, so the vote will be how many no. of us fucking love Jabari. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one choice. <laughs> All of the people. <laughs> okay, so how about the tone question? I like that. Even if it is, like I said, tone is in flux when you play, and it depends on your play group, and it depends on the efficacy of what you want to happen. You can still write it in a way that encourages a particular thing. And how about not this? How about the thing. voice of the right. game? I think that's a better way to think about it. Okay, sure. so how about some options? We got somber. I like. What's a better angsty word for angsty? Is like, like punk, punk as hell. Just a punk game. Uh, oh, that could be really cool. Because if it's like, um, uh, like uh, Marion Yeah. Like the movie. Yeah. Let's just do punk. People get it. Yeah, fuck it, punk. Um, a uh, horror. How about um, rather than horror, eerie. Eerie. Ooh, that's a good. So you have punky, eerie, and sporty, somber. <laughs> sporty babies. <laughs> oh my god, I'm only writing baby games from now on. <laughs> it could just be goofy in general. Yeah, let's get goofy. Silly. Yeah, goofy, silly, irreverent. Oh, romantic. It could be romantic. Yeah. It could be told in letters. Oh my god, I want a game that's an epistolary novel. Anyway, back to the this shit. Um, 
Jabari is oh, designing one. Oh, awesome. Go to circle back. I met them at, in Baltimore at this like little game fair thing last year, and they were testing it at that event. I don't know what it's called or anything more about it except for oh, that you man. write letters. Oh my god, they're they're so cool. Holy so, <laughs> uh, okay. So, and the other one, let's do like. Um, so we got somber, punk, eerie, goofy slash irreverent, romantic. That's five. I don't know, think I don't want to do a goofy game. Like I want to not give people the option because you know when you do something and you're like, eh, whatever this one, you know that's the one that everybody's gonna pick. I don't think this game deserves to be goofy. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. How about the? Like I don't even want to risk that that's the one that's chosen, even though I don't think it will be. Do not trust the brain trust. <laughs> I don't want to make uh, it an we're option. On record of not <laughs> trusting the. <laughs> um. Or if it splits the vote that otherwise might be like a close thing yeah. between one and two. The Ralph Nader the of the party. poll. <laughs> we voted for Green Party. Yeah, <laughs> yeah fuck that. Um, Watch everyone votes for it. <laughs> no. Uh, let's... I mean, I just want people to get gassed about it, so do you want to keep it in there? What if instead of goofy we use a keep different point. word? Zany, zany. Yeah, but it's all those words are bad. You know that. It could be (laughs) like zany, like comedy. Campy is like comedic is fine. I'd be fine with that. Yeah, that wording because at least it sounds yeah theatrical still. Yeah, (laughs) in some way. Oh, it's comedic. It's a comedic game. They are so funny. Such a funny game. Um, I feel like a lot of fantasy heartbreakers <laughs> are written as if they are comedy games, and they are absolutely not. There's this weird tone that, yeah, yeah that people write dungeons in. Um, cool. I think a lot of that was on the podcast. So should we sum up the votes? Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> we have. We're going for the voice of the game. This is, um, both uh how we approach writing it and also the sort of feelings and themes that we hope to evoke in play and sort of post play uh, among the players so we have five options this week the first option is somber the second is punk third is eerie fourth romantic and fifth comedic um We'll probably do. We're gonna do a Google poll, a Google form poll again this week, and that link will be in the project updates, uh, as it has been the last few weeks. Uh, we really like the it's pie so graph good. that it kicks out. A- Adam just and, texts it to me. And it's also, like such, I like will be half asleep, and I'll get this graph and I'll be like, <laughs> downloading game information to to design. <laughs> uh, it's really nice and concise, but also it definitely encourages everyone to take part in it because it's so much easier than the play system and like we can see the data on our end like the contributor input is a lot higher and it's super cool and it's great that people uh are getting involved at the level to which they want to be um with the discord with the polls everything I, I really liked when we started the idea of this campaign that everything was kind of modular and you could take as much as you wanted from it. Uh, but it's also super encouraging the amount of people who are 
interacting with it more than normal, more than I expected yeah. even. Also, Banana, thank you so much for hanging out. This has been so much fun. Thank you for having me. I had a blast. Heck yeah. This is great. You do consistently amazing work and just hearing about your in progress stuff also <laughs> feels like i am listening to a secret channel <laughs> just like uh it's <laughs> just tuning the radio to the exact right frequency anyway where can people Thank find you, you <laughs> find game in a curry and your future work and awesome past work and all the the full spectrum the Chan cinematic universe <laughs> of games um, so people can find me on twitter at bananachan games or at game in a curry uh, I'm more active on the Banana Chan Games one just because <laughs> I retweet and tweet a lot on there. It's mostly shit posting. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's like the most active platform I'm on right now. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook at Banana Chan. Awesome. Um, and of course, uh, we we would love some podcast ratings. That would just be cool to have. They're all five stars. Thank you, my parents. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we're going to do another design hang this Wednesday on the Discord. So uh, we post that link on Twitter and on the Kickstarter page. Tell people about the Brain Trust. Um, but for, yeah, for the Brain Trust, I've been Will. You can find me on, online at will.com. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Adam. I'm on Twitter at WCGameCo. And you can find a bunch of my game-adjacent work at worldchampgame.co. I've actually got the domain... Will.com? Baby games. Will.com and baby games and sporty games. So, <laughs> right. Um... <laughs> Uh, brain emoji handshake emoji brain trust out brain trust out later <laughs> <laughs>